Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, as we gather together um, as your people, as your church, as a people who have been redeemed by your Son, we come to you this morning acknowledging that um, there is nothing that we can do apart from you. And unless you take your word and open our hearts and our minds, unless you help us to hear and to see, um, nothing good is going to happen here, nothing profitable. But we know that your desire is for us to hear your word and to see you and to, to worship you and, and, and to glorify you. So I pray that in this time that um, you would help us to be attentive. I pray that, Jesus, you would be revealed to us and that we would be transformed into the image of you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we're going to be continuing in our teaching series that we started last week that's entitled, More Like Jesus. And you know, as disciples of Jesus, it is our desire to be more like Jesus. And last week we were reminded that if you, know, if you are a true disciple of Jesus, there was a time in your life where God began what, what the Bible calls a good work in you. He started it, and, and, and he promises that he's going to bring it to completion. God is working through in us, through his Holy Spirit, to purify us or to, um, to transform us into the image of Jesus. And the cool thing is, is that Jesus invites us as his disciples to be a part of this transformation process that we call sanctification. And in order to motivate us, he's given us promises. And last week, I just went over three of them, and I just want to share them with you one more time this, this week. I know you remember every single point I made last week, but for those who were not here, I'm going to share. Uh, the first great truth was that God has declared that we are his children. The second one is that one day we are going to be made perfect just like Jesus. And the third one is that we're going to be made perfect like Jesus when he comes back and we see him face to face. That is the third promise, that Jesus is coming back for his church. And we are to be like a bride 
We're to be like a bride that is preparing herself to meet her groom on her wedding day. And as we continue in this series, we plan to examine three areas. If we're going to grow to be more like Jesus, there's three areas that we want to examine and that we're going to have to grow in if we hope to be more like Jesus. And this is, uh, these are three areas that we regularly talk to you about. So it's, this, this isn't going to be new, but we're going to seek to drill in and go a little bit deeper in each one of these categories. And let's see if you know what I'm, if you can remember what they are. Um, a healthy disciple or a healthy church grows in three ways. They grow up and out, up, in, and out. And this morning, by the grace of God, we are going to look at what it means to grow up. And our passage today, uh, our account of Martha and Mary, I believe is going to help us to better understand what it actually looks like to grow up. And the title of my message this morning is Grow Up. So um, our, our passage opens this morning with Jesus entering into a village and being welcomed into the home of a lady whose name is Martha. Now, we know that Martha, along with uh, her sister, Mary, and Lazarus, lived in a town called Bethany. And uh, it appears that they had a a special relationship with Jesus, uh, and that they all enjoyed being together. If you remember when Lazarus was sick, this is in the Gospel of John, I believe it's chapter 11, when Lazarus was sick, Martha and Mary. Now, I want to say something before I get going here. I promise you I'm going to call Martha Mary and Mary Martha. I I, I just do that when I'm talking about those two together. But So if I do it, I'm sorry, but I I will probably do it throughout the sermon. But Martha and Mary, uh, they send a message to Jesus, and here's what they say to him when he's about three days away. They say, Lord, he, speaking of Lazarus, whom you love is ill. They had this special relationship with one another. They, they loved each other, enjoyed being together. And Martha was a true disciple of Jesus. I want to point that out at the very beginning of this. Martha is a true disciple of Jesus, and, and she invites Jesus into her home to show what we call hospitality. Now, hospitality uh, involves welcoming guests or strangers into your circle. Uh, to make them welcome, to serve them, and to, to minister to them. And hospitality is, is, a, is something that we value at Reach Life Church. It's something that we want to continue to grow in. And uh, one of the ways that, that I'm trying to help us to grow in this is at the end of the service. I don't know if you've noticed this. I'll, I'll give the benediction, and I'll say, hey, before you leave the building, find someone that you don't know and introduce yourself. That is a form of hospitality. And, and we want to we encourage our, our people to have people in their homes, to have one another in our homes and, and into our lives. Um, you know why? Uh, because number one, it's being modeled here in this passage. Number two, it's something that Jesus commands us to do, to show hospitality to, to one another and to strangers. And it's not just your, those who are on your favorites list on your phone, but also those who you don't know very well and those who can't repay you. So we want to be a church that shows hospitality, and that's what Martha is doing here in this passage. But in verse 40, it says that Martha was distracted with much serving. You see that? Martha was distracted 
with much serving, with a good thing. She's distracted by a good thing. That word distracted means to be overburdened. It means to be weighed down or to be pulled away. And, and Martha is, is being crushed by serving those who are around her. And I want you to think about this with Martha. Um, she has invited the greatest man who ever lived into her home. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the long-awaited Jewish Messiah, Emmanuel. We sang about Emmanuel this morning, God with us. Jesus is, is someone who speaks like no one ever spoke. He heals sick people. He raises dead people. He walks on water. He is extremely famous. He's known all throughout the land, and he is sitting in her home. And if you were Martha, wouldn't you want to make a, a good impression to Jesus? I think that that's probably what she wants to do. She wants it to be a good time. And I bet she has this picture in her head, uh, like most of us have before we get into something. There's this picture of, of how everything is going to be so good. Uh, when he comes into her home, she, she probably imagines that there's going to be food, there's going to be drink, there's going to be joy, laughter, singing, and that Jesus is going to be honored in her home. And the point I'm trying to make here is I have no doubt that, that Martha had pure motives in, in the very beginning. She's wanting to serve Jesus. But, you know, when you invite Jesus into your life, uh, life gets turned upside down. Uh, for example, remember when Jesus was teaching in a home and they bring a man that was paralyzed and put him right before him on a mat? That's a very cool story, but have you ever put yourself in the place of the host home, those who own the home? Their roof got ripped off because of that. The place got messed up. And you know, if, if we allow Jesus into our lives, look, Reach Life Church, if we allow Jesus to have his way in his church, uh, lives are going to be transformed. Families are going to be healed. People are going to be uh, broken. Addictions are going to be broken and Sins are going to be forgiven, and things are going to get messy if Jesus is really living among us and doing his work. And, and that goes with the territory, but it's worth it. And, you know, Martha is, she's doing a good thing by having him in, in her home, and, and she's taken that which has been entrusted to her, her gifts, her talents, her home, and she's opened them up and are offering them to the Lord for him to use for his use and for his glory. But just like earth, wind, and fire, it says something happened along the way. What used to be happy is sad. Now, I don't know exactly what happened along the way. Maybe more people came into the home than she was expecting. You know, Jesus was very popular and would draw lots of crowds. Or maybe she, like the, uh, in John chapter 2 when they ran out of wine, maybe she ran out of food. But things are starting to crush her with what she's doing. And she's being, uh, what was joyful serving has become a burden of anxiety. And uh, she's falling behind. And her hospitality is failing. And guess what? It's beginning to reflect on who? On her. And she's getting stressed out. And the one person in her mind that could help her, it's not Jesus. It's her sister, Mary. And, I, and, I, and I've thought about, as I was thinking about this, it's kind of humorous. I'm, 
Um, I've, I'm a brother. I've got sisters. I know how siblings can be. And she's probably like, where in the world is Mary? And she's looking, and she, oh, she's sitting right there on the floor in front of Jesus doing nothing. And she's probably, you know, I'm, she's probably trying to get her attention. <clears throat> and she's not getting it. Because Mary, why? Mary is zoned in on Jesus. She's hanging on every one of his words. She's, she's totally unaware of Martha's conflict. And, you know, Martha's sweating, she's struggling, and she's serving. But at this point, I don't think she's serving the Lord anymore. Um, she's, I think she's serving herself. The reason I'm saying this is two things. Number one, I can relate to this. And number two, because of what she says in verse 40. Look how she talks to the Lord. And she went up to him, speaking of Jesus, and said, Lord. Now, that word Lord there is, uh, it would be, it's a very respectful, uh, um, respectful title. It's like us saying, sir. So she's starting, she's trying to be respectful on the outside, but look what she says. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then, to help me. In other words, are you paying attention, Lord, to what's going on here? Do you, do you not see what's going on here? I, I, had, I had this wonderful plan for my life, and you were in it, Jesus. Um, I was serving you in this plan, and I mean, I'm a, I'm a servant. If you look at my walls, I've got a plaque on the wall that says, as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. If that plaque's up there, it means it's happening, right? So she's a servant, and, and, she, and she's, she's feeling the, the weight of it, and she's feeling there's so much work that needs to be done, and there's so many. She's probably thinking there's so many who need me to minister to them. And if we're going to be more like Jesus, and that's what we're talking about this morning, if we're going to be transformed to be more like Jesus, then, and Martha's thinking, you have the thinking of Martha, you need to get busy. You need to be doing things. And Martha's like, that's what I'm doing, but I can't do it all by myself. And Jesus, you don't seem to care that my little sister is just sitting there right in front of you doing nothing, and she's being lazy. Kind of reminds me of when David, little David, came to the battlefield. That's what his brothers accused him of. He was doing a righteous thing, but they accused him of doing something wicked. You're just here to see the battle. You're not here to do anything good. And Martha, instead of being under the lordship of Jesus, she tries to be the lord of Jesus. She says, tell her to get up and do something. Now, you know what I think is happening here is that Mary is not helping Martha reach her goals. She's not helping her reach her plans. Instead of, about, of being about Jesus, Martha has made it about herself, about her plans, her dreams, and her agenda. And now she's getting angry and frustrated with Mary because in the moment, Mary's performance or her lack thereof is beginning to, it's beginning to reflect on Martha. It's beginning to make her look bad. And so at that point, if you feel like someone's making you look bad, um, 
You, you no longer see that person as a, a precious soul that's created in the image of God, but rather as a means to an end. And, and we've got to be careful about that, church. We've got to be, be careful about using people to reach our goals and our dreams and our agendas. And this is a, a temptation for us all. It's not to say that we shouldn't set goals and that we shouldn't stretch ourselves and try to, to do better, but, but we have to be careful how we measure success when we're, when we're trying to reach goals. Let me give you an example of something that we could, we could set as a goal for the church that could be very dangerous. We could say, um, you know what, this year we want to baptize 25 people. Now, does that seem like a bad thing? No, not if we baptize 25 people who have truly come to Jesus. But, but we cannot determine who is going to get saved. Uh, to make that a goal is very dangerous because when we do things like that, we begin to look at people as goals or trophies or instead of being precious souls. And, and we're tempted to compromise or even manipulate people into in this case, to make decisions for Jesus just so that we can stroke our egos and feel good about ourselves. Um, I think a better goal in that situation would be, hey, you know what? I'm going to share the gospel 25 times this year and let the Lord decide what he does with it. So there are things that we can make goals for and do, but we have to be careful how do we uh, determine whether or not we've been successful. We be, we're, we're obedient to the Lord, that's being and, and faithful to the Lord. That's being successful, whatever he's called us to do, and then allow God to decide what he's going to do with that. Let him de determine how he causes that seed to grow. So I just want to just stop here and just uh, encourage us to beware of the temptation to use one another instead of serving one another, expecting nothing in return. And on the outside, Martha appears to be uh, serving the Lord, but inwardly, Inwardly, uh, she's struggling, and her heart is being revealed because of what she says here. She says, my sister has left me to serve alone, and, and this is a dead giveaway that her motives have gone wrong. Um, you know what she's saying here? She's saying, I'm the only one serving you right now. Uh, I'm the only one who's doing it right, and she's comparing her perceived fruit with that of Mary's. She's looking at what she's doing, comparing herself to Mary, and that somehow Jesus is pleased with her. He, she's thinking that she, she would not have gone to Jesus and, and told him uh, what she said if she didn't think that Jesus thought that she was right. And you know, uh, maybe there is someone in your life that is sinning, uh, maybe there's someone in your life who is acting unwisely. There, there may be someone in your life who has the wrong view on a certain subject matter. Um, but we have to be careful that we don't forget who we are. I think, I think Martha forgot who she was. Um, there is only one, as we said earlier, there is only one righteous. And that is Jesus himself. And if we're not careful, if we forget that, we'll put ourselves in the seat of the judge and we will deal with one another with ungracious and self-righteous attitudes. 
Uh, you may be seeing things wrong, right, but yet be fueled by the wrong spirit. So we gotta, we got to keep an eye on that as we're moving forward and being transformed to be more like Jesus. And you know, the, the fruit of someone that's being transformed, it should include good deeds. They are important, but outward works accomplished by the flesh can be deceptive. John MacArthur says that whenever you elevate good deeds over sound doctrine and true worship, you ruin the works too. Doing good works for the work's sake has a tendency to exalt self and to depreciate the work of Christ. Good deeds, human charity, and acts of kindness are crucial expressions of real faith, but they must flow from a true reliance on God's redemption and his righteousness. You can do the right thing for the wrong reason, and if we do that, we ruin the work. And that appears to be what Martha has done uh, in this passage. But this is where, in the midst of, of Martha's failure, we get to see the glory and the beauty of Jesus. We get to see him shine. Now, I want to recap what Martha is doing. Uh, She's accusing Jesus of being uncaring. She's accusing him of being blind, and uh, that's being blind with what's going on right in front of him. Uh, She says, uh, you don't know what you're doing, and let me help you out. And the thing about it is she's doing it publicly. It seems like she's doing it in front of the whole room, and it's one of those situations that's gotten awkward. Have you ever been in a situation where someone just said something and it was awkward? I, I'm going to tell a story. Fortunately, it wasn't me this time, this story. Uh, but I, it was told to me, year, I mean, like probably 20-some years ago, um, and I've never forgotten it because it's like, man, I don't want to keep doing that. But there was this couple that was at a, it sounds like it was a dinner, and uh, there was some kind of hot food that was sitting on the, in the center of the table. And the host was like, you got to be careful. That thing, that stuff is hot. Do, be careful. And the husband was like, oh, and eats it like that. And goes, oh, that's not that bad. And the wife, and I'm not... <laughs> looks at him and goes, ooh, you're the man, you're the man, and starts yelling that at him in front of everybody. And everything was just kind of like awkward. (laughs) Obviously, there was something going on uh, before that that made her feel that way. But it's awkward, and it's awkward right here in our passage. Uh, Yeah, you're the man, right? That's Anyway, so... (laughs) So if I were Jesus... And praise God I'm not. But if I were, I would be tempted uh, to deal with it publicly, what Martha did, um, real quick. I'd be like, hey, you know who created you? Um, You know this house that we're in and the food that you're giving everyone? You know who provided that? Um, Did you know that I'm the reason everyone's here? I'm, I'm the real, the, the reason everyone's here. And just so you'll know, I was talking and, and you rudely interrupted me. Okay, I was speaking words of eternal life and, and you just interrupted me. Now, again, praise God that Jesus is not like me. That's, that's what I would be tempted to do. But he's not broken 
like me. He's not insecure like me. He's not egotistic like I can be. His desire is never to humiliate anyone. His desire is never to seek his own revenge. Uh, We know that he came to save that which was lost. And, you know, that's, that's why we worship him. Because he, he transforms sinners into saints. And so this is where the glory of Jesus, as I've been going through this passage and I'm looking at it, I'm looking at how does Jesus respond to, Mary, uh, to Martha's anger? Look at verse 41. It says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. It's, it's like he's wanting to slow her down and say, look at yourself, Martha. You're all stressed out. Now, now you're working hard, and, and yes, you're using your gifts to serve others, but Martha, you've made it more complicated than it had to be. You know, actually, you could have ordered Caesar's pizza, Little Caesar's pizza. But you decided to make it from scratch. And you're stressed out now. And, you know, there is a time for that. There's a time to to express our gifts. But uh, the Lord's like, it's it's not now. And, And you're missing it. And then verse 42, he says, but one thing is necessary. This is the heart of this passage. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Let me ask you, what is that one thing? What is the good portion that Mary chose? That's something we've got to understand from this passage. And the good thing is, is we, we know what that is because in verse 39, it tells us that Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Mary is, of all the the people in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, other than the Lord Jesus, Mary is my absolute favorite person in the entire Bible. And uh, And she's mentioned three times in the scriptures. And every single time that she's mentioned, you know where you find her? At the feet of Jesus. In this passage, she's at the feet of Jesus. How about the time that Lazarus dies? Jesus comes into the town. He calls for Mary. What does she do? She runs to him, and what does she do? She falls down where? At his feet. And after Lazarus is raised from the dead, they have another party. Hopefully, Martha got it right this time, but they have another party in their house, and they have a celebration. Where is, where is Mary? She's at his feet anointing him with her life savings. You know what the one thing is? You know what the good portion is? It's Jesus. That's what Mary has chosen. She's habitually sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that the word in our passage where it says that she sat at Jesus' feet, the word sat means to sit firmly, uh, to sit steadfastly. In other words, she's determined that she's not going anywhere. Uh, Nothing is going to distract her from hearing Jesus. And and Mary is an example to us of what it looks like to be an abiding disciple of Jesus. 
She is an example of what it looks like to be an abiding disciple of Jesus. This is extremely important for us to understand because if you remember last week in 1 John 2, 28, remember it, uh, John said this, and now, little children, abide in him. Why? So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If we abide in him, we will be sure that when he comes back, we will be able to come, we will be excited to see him. We will have been transformed in this life to be more like Jesus. And so we've got to learn. The first thing we've got to learn is, is, is as we're seeking to be transformed to be more like Jesus, we have to learn what it means to abide in him. Jesus says this in John 8, verses 31 through 32. If you abide, if you abide in my word, or if you abide in my teaching, you are truly my disciples. True disciples do what? They abide in the words of Christ. And then he gives this wonderful promise. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, we hear, we've heard that in the culture before, but Jesus is speaking about being set free from sin and death. And, and unlike Martha, who is bound by anxiety and frustration, Mary is walking in freedom. Why? because she quietly assumes the posture of a disciple. And she's listening intently to the words of Jesus while seated at his feet. She's, she's abiding. Mary is abiding, and she is worshiping Jesus. She is being transformed to be more like Jesus. You know why? Because we become like that which we worship. Whatever you're worshiping, is what you're going to become like. Whatever we give our hearts and our affections to, that is what we will be transformed to. And Mary is accomplishing much more just sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his words than Martha, who is seeking to serve in the power of her flesh. Why is Martha anxious and troubled about so many things? It's the same reason why we are so anxious and troubled about so many things. How many times do we miss the one thing that is necessary and fail to choose the good portion, even as true disciples? Again, Martha was a true disciple, but in this moment, she's missing it. Let me ask you this. Could it be, church, as we're seeking to grow to be like Jesus, that we're putting doing above abiding. I don't know about you, but when it comes to abiding in Christ, sitting still before him with his word in prayer to hear his voice, it's so much easier to get up and just do something, to get on with what I think God wants me to do in my power. Why do we do that? Why do we do that when Jesus promises freedom? He promises freedom. He will set you free if we will abide in him. Freedom from our sin, freedom from the fear of death, freedom from anxiety. So many of us uh, deal with anxiety on a regular basis. That he said, I will set you free from it. Freedom from past failures. Do you ever walk in life and you remember something that, that you forgot? 20 years ago and it just jumps on you and wants to drag you back and we can, we can remember because we've 
if we abide in Christ, we can remember, no, that's been paid for. That's been taken care of by the blood of Christ. So freedom from the past failures, freedom from our present trials and burdens, and also freedom about future fears. How many of us worry about things that haven't even yet happened? Why? Because we fail to choose the one thing that is necessary in the moment. We, we, fa- we fail to choose the good portion. And you know, the scary thing, and this is what scares me as a, a pastor of, of our church. Um, we can neglect the up. We can neglect abiding in Jesus and still outwardly appear to be prospering on the in and the out. We can, it's possible before one another and before man to look like Jesus without Jesus. That is a, a scary thing for me as a church. But here's a, here's a good thing. We can't grow up. We, we can't abide in Jesus and not bear true fruit on the end and on the out. Um, The point I'm trying to get here is that growing to be more like Jesus does not begin. Growing to be like Jesus does not begin with us getting up and doing something. But rather, growing to be more like Jesus begins with us sitting at his feet and allowing him to first serve us. Allowing him to wash our feet. Allowing him to fill our cups so that we have something of eternal value to pour out. As it's been said before, the way up is down. And uh, George Mueller, who was a Christian evangelist, he's, he's most uh, well-known for opening orphanages back in the 1800s. Here's what he says about this. He said, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how, much, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man may be nourished. I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditation on it. Again, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Abiding means that we we purpose in our hearts. You know what, Jesus? You have the words to eternal life. I'm not going anywhere else but to you, and I'm staying here. And I'm going to check everything that comes in here through what you say. Does it align with it? If not, it has to go. And those who abide in Jesus and stay in Jesus, those who abide in his word, see him. We get to see him. He reveals himself to us through his word. Now, Paul says it's it's like a, a mirror that we see dimly. But we do see him And when we see him, we are transformed by him little by little to be more like him. So, Reach Life Church, by God's grace, 
Let's fight to abide in him so that when he appears, we, have, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Amen.